0: Okay, so we've just seen David has been designated, he's been anointed as king. And the next chapter is uh, chapter 17, David and Goliath. So, uh, again, the Philistines, uh, the sort of perennial enemy of Israel at this time. Verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes-Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So you get the, the picture. Philistines are on one side and the Israelites are on another side. <clears throat> Verse 4, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, uh, which is about three meters tall, so nine foot tall. Uh, he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was... 5,000 shekels of bronze and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. Um, Okay, so another important thing with narratives uh, when you read stories is to take note of descriptions. Okay, again, the Holy Spirit doesn't waste words. And when you have a description of someone's sort of clothing, remember, it's not a fashion catalog, so it's not common that, you know, and Moses was wearing, you know, a beautiful sash or something like that. We don't normally get that. Only the priests were told what they look like. But here, there's quite a detailed description of Goliath. And (coughs) um, uh, Goliath is covered in bronze. Okay, so... This is not immediately apparent to us but maybe to some of us because remember we saw that about the bronze serpent remember when we did numbers and then I told you that in Hebrew the the Hebrew word for bronze is is sort of only one letter difference from the Hebrew word for snake one of the Hebrew words for snake okay so if you're reading this in Hebrew you're and remember, it sounds like it's not saying it, but it sounds like uh, snake, 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 snake. Okay, because bronze is repeated so many times. And then we're also told the ESV says a coat of mail in verse 5. I don't know if anyone has the NIV. Does anyone have an NIV? Um. Be verse, verse 5. He <coughs> uh, had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Coat of scale armor. Okay. So, um, scales. That's sort of the idea. Which animals have scales? Reptiles. Right. Um, <coughs> yeah, reptiles dragons, snakes. So those are all images of Satan. So remember the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. This is an epochal battle between good and evil between the seed of the woman, David, the, the representative of Christ and the seed of the serpent, the representatives of Satan, Goliath. Okay. Um, and of course Goliath comes in weakness Oh, sorry David comes uh, in weakness as we'll see. Okay. So this this Goliath comes out um personifying in a sense Satan, mocking the children of God. He says that he will he will you know he will feed their flesh to the birds and the animals. Uh, he has no fear of God. He blasphemes the God of Israel. And um okay Nothing happens. Uh, Goliath then says, look, one of you can come and fight me. If you beat me, then we'll be your servants. If if I win, then you're my servants. Who should have stood up to fight him? Saul. Saul, the king. should have trusted God and gone out and fought, but he, he's hiding away. He refuses to do anything. Um so we can see that there's fear. Verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. David pitches up, bringing lunch for his brothers. And he says in the end of verse 26, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Okay. And so he, it's a great statement. Who is this guy that he, who does he think he is? Um, Shows his faith is very strong. Yeah, he trusts the Lord. In fact, his brothers get upset with him. He's just been a trouble cause keep quiet. Um, but news gets back to Saul that this this David is, is willing to fight. And um, uh, Saul says to him in verse 33, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. So you're young, David. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Uh, remarkable. Um, he's willing to, to risk his life for sheep. He's like the good shepherd. Hey, remember, mm-hmm. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I mean, it really is remarkable. I I mean, I would be like, it's just a sheep. Mm -hmm. Um, Have it? Yeah, I have it. (laughs) We have others. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, And then he says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet, etc. Now, when I was at Sunday school... What we were taught at Sunday school was David was small and the armor in you. And we had these sort of pictures of like this little guy Mm. in this massive armor. Because remember, Saul was huge. But that's not, I mean, that would be ridiculous. It would be silly to say, yeah, try my armor to a little guy. David was a big guy. The scripture doesn't say it was too small for him. It just said, he said, I have not tested it. I've not, I've not trained with this. This is not what I'm used to. I haven't, so... Saul so was tall. He was shorter. He was smaller in stature. It never says that. It doesn't say he was small in stature. Oh. Yeah. And a, a, I think that when he was... From Sunday, Sunday school. From <laughs> <laughs> Sunday school. Yes. That's what you're getting. Right. It, it is. True. Because it's even in my head. Yeah. yeah. No matter we'll what you legit. say. Right. I'm picturing you the Saul. I think it's as muscle, but not as clear as
1: Saul. <laughs> uh, um, he was a big
0: guy because he... Day he says, "Yeah, take my armor," which would have been silly if it was way too big for him. Mm. And he doesn't say it was too big. he just says, "I haven't tested it oh, yeah. It's not what and, and so he goes and he takes a sling, and he takes these these uh, five stones, and um, of course, uh, um, Goliath is deeply offended because this guy' is not even coming with with body armor on or anything. He says, "Am I a dog verse forty three that you come to me with sticks." And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air. And then David says to him, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. What does that remind you of? Genesis and Jesus. That's right, yeah. Genesis 3, the seed of the woman crushing the, the head of the seed of the serpent, or crushing the serpent. Seed of so, um, okay, so you know the story. He, he throws a stone. It uh, strikes, um, strikes him in his head, his forehead, again crushing his skull, and he falls on his face. And he kills him. Suddenly, the Israelites are full of courage and they start running. These guys who were cowards and, and hiding away, they now run and they defeat the Philistines, and it's a great victory. And it's such a picture of the, the, the gospel because uh, Christ came in weakness and won the victory for us, and we get the, the, the reward. Those cowards got the treasures. You know, because they plunder the Philistines, they were cowards they didn 't do anything. David did it all, and then suddenly they get all the rewards and that 's the same with the gospel. Christ did it all, and we get eternal life, uh, forgiveness of sins, freedom from sin, all of these we get all the blessings we 're adopted into god 's family as his as his children. okay, so this is a really uh, beautiful picture of the gospel and, and of, of Christ's victory over Satan. Okay. Um, we're going to skip over a few things, but we, we know that David and Jonathan become very close friends, dear friends. Um, and um, uh, as David's popularity increases, Saul becomes more and more paranoid. On two occasions, he throws a javelin at him in his, in his house. Uh, then he mobilizes the whole army to go and look for um, for David. And uh, David flees. And um, he goes to the cave of Adullam, chapter 22. It's always a beautiful picture. Uh, verse 2, And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. So it's a beautiful picture of Christ. All those who are broken uh, to come to him. All those who labor and are heavy laden to come to him. And so these men come to David. And these men who are all messed up become his mighty men. Okay? Mighty men of valor. Um, now, uh, we then find it's a, it's a horrific uh, thing um, He. Uh, um, uh, Saul finds out that David had been at um, uh, the city of Nob and there was an Edomite called Doeg who saw him and so who are the Edomites descended from? Esau Again, remember, Jacob and Esau, seed of the woman, seed of the serpent. We see this all the way through the scriptures. Uh, it's why, you know, the, the different tribes and backgrounds, when it tells you where someone's from, you know, it can be can be really important. Doeg betrays, you see, he goes and tells Saul, he says, David was here. And he's the Edomite. Yeah, Doeg, the Edomite. Um, and so Saul goes down to, no, to to the city of Nob and he says to the priest, "That David, come here. They refuse to help Saul. Saul says to his, his men, Kill all the priests. Hmm. These are the priests of God. The men say, No, we won't do it. So he says to Doeg the Edomite, Kill them. And Doeg does it. Um, verse 19 And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword. Both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep he put to the sword. Who was he supposed to do that to? The Amalekites. The Amalekites. But he does it to his own people. He does to the Jews and specifically the priests what he should have done to the Amalekites. Okay. Uh, And then we know the stories how David... David has opportunity to kill Saul on several occasions, but he does not do it. He, He submits to the authority... You see, he doesn't take the kingdom for himself... He trusts God at God's time to do it. He has moments of weakness and and where he says, "I'm just going to die," and you know, but overall, he trusts God and does not try and make the kingdom his own. Um, he knows that God has placed Saul there, and God is sovereign. Okay, and so um, you know, this this uh, in any sphere of life, to trust God, not to be manipulative, not to try and. Um, there's a uh, it's like one of the earliest verses I remember my dad saying, as a kid, from James, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Your anger, your wrath, will not bring God's kingdom. Okay, or you know, freaking out of people or whatever will not change. Will not bring righteousness. So, that, you know, to trust God, that He will work and. Um, he never, he never, he he knows that they, that Saul is still the Lord's anointed. Okay, he's placed there by God. What did verse say again? Didn't, did not man Does not work the righteousness of God. That's In the James. King James. That's the King James. yeah. In James, yeah. Okay. And it says that an evil spirit came upon Saul. So mm-hmm. It was like that. Saul was used, used as a tool. Because that was God's plan. That He would heart He would make Saul would be jealous. Uh, of oh, David. Yes, but in those situations, we must never think, "Oh, the shame! These are really good guys who, you know, oh, God yeah, just uses." Yeah. They they were predisposed, mm-hmm. and God it's which we'll we we'll look at when we get to Romans chapter nine. Okay. Um, you know, they had every opportunity to do the other thing. Yes, but they followed the, through with it. That they they were committed to that. Okay, chapter twenty-five is David and Abigail. So David at this time is roaming through the land with his men and they're protecting the farmers and the inhabitants from the Philistines. So they are, they're doing what Saul should be doing. They're fleeing from Saul, but at the same time, they're protecting everyone and they're not robbing. You know, Often um, when soldiers are, are going through an area, they, they pillage and rape and murder and just destroy. They leave a wave of destruction. David is not doing that. He's protecting everyone. But um, he also asks for support for what he's done. So he goes to this, he sends some men to this man called Nabal. And um, uh, Nabal says, who's David? I don't know who that is. And he rejects them. Um, And look at verse 13. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about four hundred men went up after David, while two hundred remained with the baggage. Okay, so, so he's been mocked and humiliated and rejected, even though they've been good to Nabal. So, so David says, "Okay, guys, put your swords on. We're going there." Okay, and we know later on he says, "Not a man would have been left standing." Okay, of all his household. And what happens is that a messenger gets back to Nabal's wife, Abigail. Now, Abigail's a godly woman. Nabal is a fool. In fact, again, his his name sounds uh, <laughs> like Nabal. <laughs> <laughs> no, like fool, in, in here. <laughs> because his wife says, you know, as as his name is, so is he. Um, she intercedes. Look at verse nineteen. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared, and she and and food and everything so she gets the supplies and she goes to to inter, uh intersect David and his his army um he's he's called a worthless fellow which is a word that is used for like the the sons of Belial a worthless fellow um, a, a, a godless man okay um Verse 21, now David, it said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed and he he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David and more also if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servants speak in your ears and hear the words. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Okay. And she says, I didn't see the young man. Uh, And she beseeches him not to do this. And she says there, verse 28, please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. And um, she says, you don't want to get this blood on your hands. Okay. Uh, You don't want it on your conscience later on. Verse 32. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. Remember, Victory belongs to the Lord. This would have just been David seeking revenge. He's upset. He was, he, he, the guy didn't help him. And he's going to wipe out the whole family. Abigail intercedes and says, look, the, you fight the Lord's battles. Okay. And the Lord's battles in this situation was fighting the Philistines and the um, Amalekites and Ammonites, the enemies of God's people. That that was what God blessed David at. He was good at that. He gave him victory at it. Uh, and so she stops him. Now, I want us to jump to 2 Samuel. So we'll come back to this. But this is really important. Um, okay, 2 Samuel 11. Notice that David had said, he said, the Lord sent you, Abigail. Second okay. Samuel chapter 11 is, is uh, David and Bathsheba. Okay. Verse one, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Okay, so... It was a time for battle when kings go out to battle. Um, David's a king. Where should he have been? Fighting. Yeah? But instead, he sends Joab. And you'll see the word sent is throughout this passage. But never do you see the Lord sending anyone. Okay? The Lord's not involved. Chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. That's the first time we see the Lord sending someone. The Lord sent Abigail when David was fighting the Lord's battles. When David stopped fighting the Lord's battles, there's no one to stop him. Do you see that? Verse 3, verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent, there you see, and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. You know the story? Um, he tries to get Uriah to go back to be with his wife, so he can cover it up, but Uriah is too noble. he says, "How can I go and sleep in a nice bed with my wife when the lord 's army is out in the in the bush you know, he 's now in this verse twenty one who killed Abimelech there is it 's not it 's not talking about the same Abimelech but if you're reading, you remember there was an Abimelech who took someone's wife in Genesis. Oh, Abraham Abraham's wife. Okay. Remember how Abraham was, he said, well, in these bad countries, remember it happened on two occasions. What he was saying is like, just tell them you're my sister because in these bad countries, you know what they do? They just take they just take the wives of men. What's going on in Israel in Jerusalem? what Abraham feared in a pagan country was happening in the very capital of Israel in by the very King of Israel. Okay. David is behaving, you know, like a pagan. He's doing what the pagan monarchs did, what Abimelech did, what the, what Pharaoh did. That's what he is. He is doing, Uh, you know, the place where you can imagine Uriah was a Hittite. He had, he had converted to Judaism. He, Probably never thought in a million years this would ever happen. I'm now with the people of God. I'm now in Jerusalem. I'm with David. I live close to David's home. Uh, and, and so it's a horrific story. But what I want to say is that nobody stops him. Even Bathsheba doesn't cry out. She doesn't say, no, this, this is not right. Uh, she's complicit. Uh, we have other accounts when things happen. Where, where, like Amnon and Tamar. Tamar cries out. But not in this situation. The servants don't do anything. They don't try and stop David. But when he went to kill Mabel, Abigail stopped him. So the principle here is, when you and I are fighting the Lord's battles, God will stop you from sinning. Okay? And I'm sure you can testify to that. That there are certain things, maybe you've wanted to sin and something happens. Okay. But then other times... I just let you do it, because you are you are not fighting his battles. What are his battles for us today? Fighting sin, fighting ungodly thinking, um, all the things that that we find in in, in scripture, the fruit of the spirit. Um, uh, fighting false teaching. Uh, these are the the, war, the 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 fight that we are called to. We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight principalities and powers and every high thing that exalts itself mm. against the name of God. So wrong thinking, wrong beliefs, sin. Um So keep fighting and you will see that God will will it's a wonderful thing. You think I could have I could have done something really bad there. But Lord thank you. Thank you that uh, that person dropped in to visit thank you that that happened thank you that the phone rang thank you that this whatever it is the lord does something but when you and i stop fighting well then we we, we fall okay um okay does that make sense Any, okay. so keep fighting Fight the Lord's battles. Remember, it must be the Lord's battles, okay? It's not just you fight with a lot of people. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> so it's also about being busy with God's work, right? Being busy with God's calling and your life. Busy with his activities. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's fighting the battle that's because, battle. yeah, there's times when we don't want to. We feel um, like giving up. All of those things. So, that's a mm. fight, definitely. Um, okay, so... Uh, now, it is incredible that, and, and this is, so I'm so grateful for this account. I'm grateful for the Peters in the Bible, because mm. otherwise, and for the Samson's and all of them, because otherwise, we would we would say, well, okay, in order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. Okay. <laughs> but praise the Lord that David, we, David's in heaven, we know that. He's he's in glory, and he's one of the greatest saints who ever lived, and yet he also sinned and Peter are the same, and uh, and so we we can rejoice in that. But it is sobering to know that the man who wrote the twenty-third Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, could become so callous. I mean it's incredible what he does, hey, isn't it? He's get he, he gets the man drunk. He um he then says to Joab Put him at the front of the battle and withdraw from him. I mean, he sends it in a letter. He says, and he gives it. He gives his own death sentence to Uriah. He says, take this. Give this letter to Joab. So callous. Then when the news comes back that Uriah is dead, verse 25, David sent it to the messenger. This, This is what you'll say to Job. Do not let this matter trouble you. For the sword devours now one and now another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow. Don't let this trouble you. Okay. It's displeased. Don't let this displease you. But the last verse of the chapter says what David had done displeased the Lord. Didn't displease David. David says, don't worry about it. But the Lord was displeased. Okay. Um, so, we really need to watch our hearts. God's people, we can still sin in any way. We must never become self-righteous. Um, and that's how hard someone's heart can get. Or our hearts can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyone's heart any, can get. any. any, it's, any it's even a, really even a believer. believer yes. You know, to watch that your heart is not If valid, you stop fighting, yeah, it then, then yeah. it becomes like that. But then, the good news, God sends Nathan. And Nathan confronts him. And you see the self-righteousness of David because he says to him, you know, there's this guy who's got one little lamb. He sleeps with it. That's all he has. And there's another guy who has lots. And and he says, this guy steals this guy's lamb. It's not a nice thing to steal someone's lamb. But listen to what David says. Verse 5. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. See, that's the other thing that happens is self-righteousness. Okay. David is, is like the worst sinner in Israel and yet he's become so self-righteous on other people. A guy steals someone's lamb. It's not the death penalty. Okay. He exaggerates it. He, he, yeah, yeah, you become self-righteous. So watch out for that. Often self-righteousness, you know, there's, uh, Shakespeare says, one of his plays, meet. He thinks thou doth protest too much. Okay. Well, is that Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> is that where you get it from? <laughs> so, there there can be, you know, sometimes, and uh, I just remember with Jimmy Swaggart, maybe so, those of you know him, but he was a famous preacher, but he, there was another pastor caught in, he was caught being a homosexual, and Jimmy Swaggart, a tele-evangelist, and Jimmy Swaggart went off at this guy, like, Like totally. And if you know the story, you know that Jimmy Spaggart was exposed. Mm -hmm. But while he's doing this preaching, he was doing, he was seeing prostitutes. So um, watch out. Self righteousness is a sign that there's there's unrepentant sin. Okay. Yeah. The thing you pretend to hate the most is pretty much what's in your heart. That's you pretty right. Pretty much yeah. hate what's in your heart. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it so, no, to cover? Do they act like that to cover up what they're really? Definitely. Doing yeah. 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 Or are like, extra angry. Yeah. Oh, you know, in front of other people because that's what they're doing to pretend that that they couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Definitely, but it's also a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it is self righteousness. Mm. The the when we read the Psalms of repentance and we'll look at that when we get to the Psalms, but. During this time, David talks about a, a, a brokenness on the inside, that he couldn't sleep. He couldn't, there was, there was no peace while he's not repenting. Um, Nathan confronts him, he repents, but, uh, but God forgives him. But the Lord says to him, um, uh, I've, I've, I've removed the sin. The Lord forgives him, but he says, all this stuff's going to happen to you. So unfortunately, the consequences for sin are not taken away. Um, but we are forgiven and we do have eternal life. Um, okay, so that's, I just to, let's go back to, to 1 Samuel. <clears throat> um, uh, David has to flee to the Philistines even because um, <clears throat> he's got nowhere to go. But then, at the end of end of First Samuel, Saul dies. Um, in in, Sorry, chapter we, uh, it's chapter thirty one of First Samuel. And. Um, um. Jonathan is killed as well. Chapter one of Second Samuel. So that's why there's a break here, because it's a transition now from the end of Saul's reign to now David. So David hears of Saul's death, and you can see in verse 8, And he said to him, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. This is the one who brings the news of Saul's death. And he, he's the one who said, because the armor bearer refused to help Saul kill himself. Saul says, don't let these uncircumcised Philistines get a hold of me. Kill me. And he says, no, I can't do that. So he falls on his sword, but he's not fully dead yet. And so the Amalekite comes and finishes the job. And he comes and tells David the good news because he thinks this will be great news for David. David's going to be so happy. Now David can be king. And what does David do to the guy? He, gets, he has him killed. He says, were you not afraid to lift your hand against the Lord's anointed? um you can see you can see the character of david how many of us would have responded rather with oh yes uh excellent uh when am i getting the power but he he's honorable he and then he laments it's an incredible poem for saul and jonathan um it's it's really beautiful we don't have time to go through it but um it's it's um Yeah. Okay. Um, David then is an anointed king of Judah. And so this is where things start to, well, things are a bit confusing. So remember our map, we've got uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And then the Jordan River on this side with the Dead Sea here, the Lake of Galilee here. Uh, Jerusalem is about here. So... Uh, Judah is this this uh, uh, southern part. The northern part becomes known as Israel. Okay. Um, so David becomes king of the southern part, including Jerusalem. Ishbosheth. The son of Saul becomes the king of Israel. And um, that doesn't last too long. Eventually David is the King of the United Kingdom. Um, okay, um, in between there's some there's guys killing each other and it's 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 pretty gory stuff. We we meet this guy Joab. Joab is like the mafia. Um, he's not a godly man. He's a ruthless guy. Um, we we also um, find out about the son. There is a son called Mephibosheth, who is lame, because when they were running away, his nurse tripped and fell and knocked him, and he was paralyzed uh, when he was was young. And David shows kindness to Mephibosheth. So, um, okay, so David is anointed. He captures Jerusalem in in, uh, chapter 5, the city of Jabez. And so he, 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 he takes the city. And it becomes the city of David, Jerusalem. And then they want to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to, to Jerusalem. Remember, it was in Kiriath-Jerim for, for a long time. I think it's 20 years. Now David says, look, let's bring it to Jerusalem. And that's a story where they, they, don't, they don't obey God's word the way you're supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. They put it on a the cart. They do the, the same way the Philistines did it, but on a cart. And then Uzzah puts out his hand. And, and God kills him, um, because because he, you know, he thought he was cleaner than the dirt. Okay. Um, okay, so. Um. He's married. I mean, he has several wives. Abigail becomes his wife. She's one of his wives. Because uh, Nab- the Lord kills Nabel, uh, a few days later. After oh, she went up and his life saved. Yeah, so she saves so his he life. Off his head, he dies. Yeah, so she then tells him what's happened. So he, she goes back, and he's throwing a huge party. He's drunk, and um, then she tells him what's happened. And then it says that he, he he became like stone on the inside, and about ten days later he died. Hmm? The Lord. How do you become like stone? You got sick. No, I think the idea is he just sort of died on the inside. Sima. He just... Um, I don't think it's talking medically. I think it's like he just... He, emotionally, just... His life was gone. Like he just realized um, it's over for him. And then the Lord... It says the Lord killed him. And then David rejoices because, Lord, you vindicated me. You you did it. I didn't... I trusted yeah, you. Raise a finger, yeah. yeah. And, and you answered. And then he takes Abigail as his wife. But he also has... Uh, Some people say Michael, but that can't be right. Uh, Mikhail, <laughs> uh the daughter of Saul, as as his his wife. Um, to get her, he. Uh, Sorry, how do they get to Michael? It's M I C H A L, right? Yeah. So, okay. Mikhail. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So um, uh, when David was growing in popularity, and Saul tried to have him killed, he thought, well, I... I won't kill him. I'll get the Philistines to kill him. So he said, look, you can have my wife's hand, uh, my daughter's hand. If you bring me a hundred foreskins, Philistine foreskins. And so David goes and brings him 200. So it's pretty disturbing. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but he, yeah. he brings him 200 Philistine foreskins and he, and Michael has made his wife. But here, when he brings the ark up properly, he's dancing, he's rejoicing. And, um, she, She rejects him. She mocks him. She says, um, verse 29, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And then the last verse is, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. So she, she, uh, She's not happy with the way David behaved. Remember, she's the daughter of Saul. She's royalty um, she that's you don't You don't dance with the riffraff. you don't you know there's going to be the coronation on the sixth of May in the u k. We know what pomp and ceremony is, and that it's not going to be sort of the plebs, but David is there, he's rejoicing in God's grace god's kindness and she can't handle that and then that last line is like the censure because because she um and it's quite interesting it's quite interesting writing because you don't know is it is it because the lord closed her womb or is it because david never slept with her again is it it was the end of the relationship we're, we're not told but it it's a judgment on her because she um she did not rejoice that the, the Ark of the Covenant had been brought back to to Jerusalem. God was working, and David is 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 rejoicing in what God has done. No, I think there would have been a judgment from God, not from David, not Stephen. Is I'm sure that's uh, because uh, like she, she spoke out against God anointed. Yeah, it doesn't so, tell as, us enough. As but, as David did, because a guy killed God's anointed. So I'm sure God was God judging her there because she spoke out against his anointed. Yeah. It's just whether God used pri you know, himself directly or secondary means God judges in different ways, but it's it it's left sort of ambiguous, um, which is good storytelling. So it's sort of oh. Okay, then um, there's the Davidic covenant, but we don't have time to go into that, uh, which is the God's promise that David's, the seed of David, the, the son of David, will be the, the ultimate king. Uh, and of course, that's fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ. Um, she didn't have any kids, eh? Hey, even the kale. No, that's what it says, yeah. Never, never kids even, even before. It's interesting that the, the Solomon is from Bathsheba, hey? so Right so after Uriah dies he takes Bathsheba as his wife and um, the Lord is gracious even through it's that the sm- child that he has it it. That first dies. the he first one something. dies and um, it's a beautiful picture because uh, verse, chapter 12 verse 23 I shall go to him but he will not return to me so he, he understands that he will see um, see him again and then the next the next two verses tell us that um he sleeps with Bathsheba and she falls pregnant and has a son called Solomon. Okay, and so Solomon will be the one who who continues. Okay. Whose child was Absalom. Was that Bathsheba's as well? No, no, I don't think so. I can't remember who. And okay, so um chapter 13 we have the story of Amnon and Tamar. So Amnon. Uh, loves, we're told, loves Tamar, but he can't, you know, get time with her. And so they make, this friend of his who's sneaky, makes a plan and says, tell dad, your dad you're sick. And you say, you know, I'd like Tamar to care for me. And then he, he rapes her. She tells him, don't do this thing. Don't do this thing. But he carries on. And then he says, get out. And she says, no, this is worse than the first thing you did. If you You must do the right thing and marry me. And remember these are David's children. They're, okay. they're not... Um, they sort of have the same father, but different mothers. Um, amnon and Tamar. So But it reminds us of... Remember in Genesis, Shechem and Dinah. Remember Shechem, the pagan, raped Dinah, but then still loved her and wanted to marry her. And then Levi and Simeon went and killed all of them after telling them to be circumcised. So again, we're seeing... Uh, what some authors say, the canonization of David's house. David's house is behaving worse than the pagans. We've seen it already with David. Now we've seen it with his son. And then, verse 21 of chapter 13, when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And that's all. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything to, to Amnon. He doesn't intervene. Absalom is... Tamar's brother, direct brother, same mother, same father. Absalom then keeps it in his heart and eventually kills kills Amnon. And again, David is angry. He doesn't do anything. He just exiles Absalom. But you see, he, why do you think David didn't intervene in his, son, in his children's lives? Because he felt guilty about his own life. It's yeah. like why you're yeah. throwing stones and you live in the glass house. Yeah. I think that's exactly yeah. But could we argue that he actually ought to have um, spoken out and because he had repented, right? So you could almost say at this point in time was justified to speak against sin. Definitely, he wasn't, so, wasn't a hypocrite. No, yeah, one hundred percent. So, so yeah, he, he, uh, and we understand that. We understand, you know, if he's humbled and that he that he feels, how can I tell my children after the way I've behaved? Right. But that's not right. Remember that as a parent or a boss or a, uh, any position of authority. Remember the scripture says uh, wives submit to your husbands. It doesn't say wives submit to your good husbands. It doesn't say children honor your good parents. Um, you never honor your good, the good government. It never says that. Respect, we always say respect is earned. The Bible never puts it like that. Respect is the right of the office if someone holds that office if the person is a parent you are commanded to respect them if if a wife is commanded to respect her husband we are commanded to respect the government it's irrespective of whether we say well i don't think they're respect worthy <laughs> uh by right of the office so i mean as as a as a pastor a preacher if it was based on my own like that I you know I have to be perfect before I can teach on anything then of course I would I would just go sit down right now I'd never open my mouth ever but it's it's not it's not based on and it doesn't mean you can be unholy and and just continue in unrepented sin but the authority is not in in my holiness it's in God's word okay. so um now pastors should be holy obviously and we should all strive to be holy but you'll be paralyzed if you just say well i can't do anything cuz i did this stuff when i was we're all, then we're all but it's not the case and it can be a teaching moment david could have said you know this is what i did and look at the consequences mm-hmm. but god has forgiven me but i don't want you to go down the same path right. you know um so um but i i, I agree with you julian i think that's that's why he doesn't he doesn't intervene and so, you know, our past sins, even though they're forgiven, often hold us back, don't they? they we allow them to, to stop us from serving the Lord properly. Um, so we must really know that, that the guilt is dealt with in Christ, that, that we're forgiven and as righteous as, as Christ. Okay, so Absalom then uh, becomes a thorn in his flesh. Absalom conspires. Chapter 15. Um, remember, he is full of external beauty. He has this long hair that he cuts every year. I always think of, for those of you older, of Fabio. There mm-hmm. was a male model called Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> he always has this like long hair. Um, and Absalom used to cut it every year and weigh it. It was like a big event, you know. Oh, yeah. um, uh, so Everyone, he he wins the heart of the people. He says, if you, if you, if you support me, you'll get justice and all of these things. And um, he attacks his father. David has to flee from Jerusalem. Um, yeah, because once again, Israel is chasing after the good-looking guy. Yeah. To become king. And, um, and the terrific. He does exactly what the Lord said. He takes all of David's wives. And sleeps with them publicly on in tents on, on rooftops. So remember David had seen Bathsheba from a rooftop. Because of course he's 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 removing the power from David by taking his wives. He's he's um I mean it's it's heavy stuff. Okay, um But the Lord gives David victory and um Ahithophel, who was where the scripture tells us he was the counselor, and the scripture says when Ahithophel spoke, it was like God was speaking. Okay. That's how wise he was. Ahithophel says to Absalom, Ahithophel actually defects and supports Absalom. And um, I, for, I forget where it is, but Ahithophel is actually Bathsheba's grandfather. So he probably was not a fan of David, um, But he defects and he says to Absalom, he says to Absalom, Absalom's in Jerusalem, he says, Absalom, get some soldiers and I'll go now and we will get David and we'll kill him before he has a chance to regroup or anything. And another counselor, because, because David prays, Lord, confound the counsel of Ahithophel. Another counselor says, no, no, wait here, establish, you know, and, and, uh, because God is behind it. Absalom listens to the other counselor, Ahithophel, Aethephel was the wisest man because he knew, and the scriptures tell us, he knew now because they did not listen to him that God was against him. So it says he went home, put his house in order, and hung himself because he knew it's over. If, they, if the fact that my counsel was rejected means God is against us and there's no point. So... Very arrogant. Um... Okay, and then uh, David wins the victory. Remember, he says, don't kill Absalom. But Joab goes and kills him. And it's his hair. It, remember, his hair gets caught in the trees. The thing that he was so proud of. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny. You should have cut it shorter. See, <laughs> <C>, Caleb. <So>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't think get in the tree. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> But I must say, if you, you know, this, these, these two books are really... Really fascinating reading. So many interesting stories. But can you see how what a powerful picture that is? The thing that he was so proud of is his downfall. Pride comes before a fall. Um, well, the thing you're so obsessed with. Yes, you? that's right. So did he hang and die, or did Joab kill him? Joab killed him. So he's on oh, the he horse. He's on the horse, and his hair catches in the in the briars, oh, and, and the hanging, horse hanging. carries on, and he's hanging by his hair. They tell Joab, and Joab says, "Why didn't you kill him?" And they said, "No, but we, you, David said, don't kill him." says, doesn't matter. Job, Job goes off and kills him with a spear. Um, and, um, and then at the end of chapter 18, David says, Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, would that I've, I would have died instead of you. Okay. Again, you know, his heart, like the heart of Christ. So this guy that was so wise, he wasn't, he wasn't Godful. He wasn't a God-fearing man. Yeah, he was so just wise. had a ton of wisdom and yeah. spoke the words of God. Yeah, I'd say when he spoke, it was like, as if God spoke. He was so wise. It's not saying it was the words of God. It was just like, wow. You know, if he was in a room and he spoke, everyone was like, sure. Okay, that's amazing. Um, okay, so uh, we come to chapter, um, there's more battles. Chapter 22, David's Song of Deliverance is this beautiful poem. And we see that he's called the Sweet Psalmist of Israel, chapter 23. Um, these are the last words of David, the sweet singer or sweet psalmist of Israel. Um, uh, there's a uh, David's mighty men at the end of chapter 23. Um, and, and it's really, you know, they do some amazing things, these guys. Great acts of valor. David's census in chapter 24, which we'll look at in Chronicles. And that's the end of, end of 2 Samuel and that brings us then to kings which is then the death of, of David and then we start with the, the kings that come after him Solomon okay let me let's see, let's see what our time is let me yeah time has gone over a little bit let me let me close us in in prayer <clears throat> Father thank you for First and Second Samuel and the incredible richness of These books, some pretty gruesome stuff, uh, very sobering things, but um, warnings to us. All this is written for our example. Uh, There's much that we can learn here. Lord, help us to keep fighting your battles. Help us to to not give up. Help us not to be paralyzed through guilt, um, but to trust you and know that we're forgiven and loved and help us to not try and fight in our own strength, but to know that victory belongs to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that um, you are victorious, you have never lost a battle, and uh, that you will keep us. I ask that you would continue to be with us this week, be with those traveling now, keep us from sin, Lord, keep us loving you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have Have a good night. Covered two books tonight, while we Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would oh, take them too much to do that. <laughs> uh-huh. the, the relationship between John and